All right. So over the past six months, if you've been here six and a half months, you know, we've been going after some different things. And it's been really, really intentional, really, really intentional. The first several weeks and a couple of months, we went after this phrase, Jesus first. We said it's actually the theme for the entire year. It's not rocket science and church. Kim, I'll move up so you can see me, babe. There you go. And so, um, yeah, so it's that deal that we want to be a people who put Jesus first. And everything that we do in life and the way that we view life, the way that we engage it, that we are intentional, that we are intentional. Everybody say intentional. That's the model of lifestyle we're to have in all things, but specifically in our relationship with Jesus, that we are always looking at our life. We're always taking a look at it and seeing, God, where are you not first? Where do I need to place you first? What are the things that are coming at me that are going to steal you from being first, right? And then we talked about these things that we do. We call them spiritual disciplines, but I call them the arrows that you shoot, that in shooting them, they place you into the presence of God, and you get to experience. Experience his presence. You get to be placed into the flow of his grace. So prayer and worship and study and practicing the presence of God and many others. They were a powerful time of just talking through what God's enabled us to do to put us into his presence and to experience him, to experience the power of his love and to see his beauty and be changed by it. And then we talked about this idea of empowerment empowerment from Acts 2, and that the gospel, in my opinion, is incomplete if it's not attached to the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out into the lives of the disciples. Because for Jesus, his plan, his plan would have been thwarted and incomplete if you were not then able to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could do, this is what Jesus said, so that you and Andrew Goodman, right, could do the things that Jesus did and even greater things than these. Why? Because he sent us his spirit. So anything that tells you you can't do the things that Jesus did in the way that Jesus did it is not biblical and it's not from the Lord and it would be a lie from the enemy. Jesus first. We are able to put ourselves where our actions, we, we put our, God, listen, God's spirit is always, I mean, like a river is always flowing. I can shoot the arrow and jump into that river. It's like jumping into the river of his presence that is already moving. And we are empowered. Those who know Jesus, you already have God's spirit in you, and you are empowered to do the things that Jesus did. It's powerful and it's Beautiful. But as much as these last six months, I hope, have taught us, educated us, and convicted us of God's truth in our lives, the fact is we can have it and never engage it. We can, as the saying goes, we can, we can lead a horse to water, right? But you can't make it drink. We can, you can lead yourself even into this place of belief and of conviction of truth, but never actually fully engage it with your life. We have in our lives, each of us can have this space of unlimited potential. We have unlimited potential as God's children, but we may not be walking in it. And at the risk of sounding blunt, and this is on the screen and I want you to see it. This is a, this is a kind of undergirding piece for us in this season. Unrealized potential in our lives is a sign of immaturity. 
unrealized potential in our lives is a sign of immaturity. That's just in the Bible. Remember Paul says, although by this time you should be eating spiritual meat, you are not and are still drinking spiritual milk. You should be adults, but instead you're like children. Grow. Take steps forward. Move into this growth place. Recognize there's unrealized potential for you. And it is a sign of maturity, immaturity, but there is easy space to grow into maturity. Immaturity is the space in which growth needs to and can occur. Now, when speaking of immaturity, there are a myriad of things that affect our growth. But the one thing I want to focus on for the upcoming weeks is our mind. It's our mind. All of us know that our mind can be and many times is a battlefield. I always think of of Paul's words. I'll never forget reading the very first time when I was in high school. I read them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like Paul is speaking directly into my life experience in verse 21 of Romans 7, 7. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then Paul adds on to it. Thanks be to God through Jesus. In our lives, this defines so much of our tension. We are saved, we're redeemed, we're in the family of God. But we also have this flesh life, this old man, this peace that lives at war in our members. But it's not literally a tug of war with like one hand on one side and one on the other, is it? It's all right here. This is where the battle takes place. This is the battleground. Paul says, evil is right here with me, waging war against my mind. I live with the conviction that our mind is the primary access point for the enemy's movement in our lives. It affects our thoughts. It affects our will. It affects our our convictions. Simplistically stated, God speaks truth. The enemy speaks lies. Let's make it as simple as that. God speaks truth, the enemy speaks lies, but more importantly stated, the enemy usually speaks half-truths. It's something that sounds real, something that sounds right, but it's just half-true. The other half is a lie. Remember he said to Adam and Eve, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God, knowing these things. And it was half-true not knowing the other impact of it that would lead us into death. That's what the lies of the enemy do. It's at least enough, a lot of times, a half-truth. And in that half-truth, the other part of it is it steals life from us. The enemy speaks lies. We believe them. And it keeps us moving forward in many areas of our lives. I see it working in my life in the same way in 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 my own life, right? I see the conviction, this, this struggle That I deal with. I see to my own minds the tension, the places that I wrestle. 
with that in mind, I have another conviction. All of us, in one way or another, all have assaults going on daily in our mind. Can someone attest to you having your own tension? All of us do in our mind where the enemy is feeding us lies to keep us from growing in the knowledge of Christ in our lives. He is speaking negative reinforcements all the time, and it's killing us. Some of the things that we find ourselves, the enemy leading us to with thoughts and things that begin to define our lives. Some of these words are fear, lust, control, anxiety, despair, apathy, rejection, rebellion, busyness, comparison, isolation, and anger. I want to read this list again because what I find so often is that one of these words, or maybe others, these are the areas where the enemy speaks. There are lies, and it leads us to one of these. I want to name the list again. I want you to listen. I want you to see if you can connect with any of it. Fear. Living a life every day where I'm just afraid of what's coming around the corner. Lust. I've been taught, I've been trained, I've been told, if I can just get a connection to this, then it will satisfy me. Having control, I feel best in my life when I have control of situations, I trust myself the most. Anxiety, living every single day just out of bounds and out of rhythm in my life. Despair, despairing of life. It would just be better if I didn't live anyway. God, if I could just go ahead and get to heaven and leave everything else behind because all of this world is worthless, it's going to hell anyway. Despair. We have another one. It goes on and keep on going on to apathy. How, why even try? Rejection. No one actually cares about me. I am so alone in life. I'm not even sure. Listen, God may have great things for other people, but not for me. Rebellion. So why not just do what I want to do when I want to do it? Busyness. If I stay busy, then I have, my life will have value. My life will have meaning. I'll be worth something. Comparison. If I could just look like, act like, and sound like. Isolation. It's just better for me to be alone and by myself. Anger everywhere I go. I just, uh, why am I so angry all the time and it affects relationship? All of these are the fruit of lies that are fed into our minds and they keep us from the fullness of God. They keep us from a path of maturity and they keep us from the fruit of God's spirit in us. With that said, I want to look at a foundational verse for us for the upcoming weeks. We're going to look at the mind of Christ for several weeks, but I'm not going to, I'm going to break it down deeply next week and then upcoming weeks, but I want to name it today, kind of look at the foundation of it, and then name some truths for us. The first ver- the verse we're talking about is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth says, For who has in mind, who has, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Again, we'll do a deep dive into this. But I, I want to suffice to say that Paul's direct statement, but we have the mind of Christ, it just simply means what it says, right? It isn't a veiled statement with a hard-to-understand meaning that will be deciphered by the theological elite. He's just being very direct. He says, no, no, you have, those who are believers, those who are Christ followers, you have been given the mind of Christ. 
Paul will spend chapter 1 and 2 talking about the weakness of human wisdom, the power of God's wisdom, the fact that there are, that only those who believe in Jesus make him Lord of their lives and grab hold of God's wisdom because they have been given Jesus' mind. And when you hear this, it sounds a little crazy and it sounds amazing and it should stop us in our tracks and say, What does this mean? Because it sounds too good to be true, but Scripture says it, so it is true. There's something I need to grab hold of in this that's deeper and richer than I could even imagine. That's the reason. See, when we talk about the battleground of the mind, what I want you to hear me say is the last six months has been great. But if we can't get control of our own minds, if we can't decipher truth from lies, if we can't step into what God has for us and understanding our thought process and how our mind works and giving ourselves every day to the mind of Christ and believing I have this, that is actually keeping us from the life that God's called us to. He's led us to this beautiful life, but we're not quite grabbing hold of it. That's what we want to dive into this morning. So with this, I'm going to, again, we're going to dive into this for the upcoming weeks more deeply, but I want to lay out just some four simple truths around your mind, things that you actually already know, verses you've already read. I'm going to look at them this morning, and more than likely, I'll probably unpack them in an even more deeper way in upcoming weeks, but I want to lay out just the foundation this morning, a starting point we can all launch from. The first truth is this. On the screen, we have been given the mind of Christ. I've already named that. We have been given the mind of Christ. I would just say real quick, press pause, me talking. And I want you, even to yourself, just to say, I've been given the mind of Christ. And just feel how that lands with you. Some of you go, ah, maybe. Right? Like you're honest, like how you feel. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you are a good, you're a good Christian, so you know you believe it, but do you feel it, believe it? You know the difference. You know what I'm talking about. Do I sit here and like, do I believe the truth of that? But is there some other voice that's telling me that's not true? Is there some other voice saying that's just not the case for you? Is there some other voices speaking something other than that? And I would just say it's time to say shut up to that voice. Right? Because the idea is saying this simply, God, if it's true, then help me. I believe, help my unbelief as we've talked about, Right? God, I want to grab hold of everything. I want to do the things that Jesus did and even greater things. God, I want to, I just want to place myself into your presence and know it so clearly that when I get there, I am changed and every lie of the enemy just washes off of me. We've been given the mind of Christ. The Greek word for mind here is the word noose. Not to hang yourself, but noose as in mind. N-O-U-S. It means what you think it means. Our intellectual faculty that empowers understanding, perceiving, feeling, judging, and determining, right? It's that part of us that receives and processes information in every action. Something happens, it goes here first, or something happens physically, we receive it here. This is always a part of every part of everything in our lives. 
And that's the, that's the mind. Everything there. Our minds by nature. You know, with this born into a fallen world, this and there, born with selfish wisdom that defines how we view life. You know what I mean by that. That part of our flesh that views it selfishly, this protecting stuff, and everything comes through that lens. Our minds by nature are fallen in how we view life. But as we will see in weeks to come, in that place, it has a worldly perspective. But with the mind of Christ, let's see life through a kingdom and eternal perspective. I'll be honest with you. I live in fear that a good chunk of Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians have lost a kingdom perspective on how they view every moment of life. They are told what to think by the talking heads on the news. They are defined by the culture that they're a part of. And I just wonder, I just wonder for us how often we live with a conviction of recognizing there is a kingdom and there is eternity. This world is but a vapor and lasts like this but eternity lasts forever. And do I live with my mind focused more on the temporary or on the eternal? I find most friends that I have are fully gauged here. We have to be a people who go, there is an eternal perspective which God has. The mind of Christ is able to comprehend it, and it's different, and it's opposed to how our worldly wisdom thinks. Listen, just to throw out a few phrases, just to put it into context for us. I'm just going to speak words of Jesus. None of these phrases are new. You know them. Is this how your mind thinks? If someone strikes you on one cheek, don't fight back. Don't punch don't, don't get in a defensive posture. Just turn the other cheek and let them hit it too. If someone demands that you walk one mile with them, they demand anything from you. They say, you have to, which goes against your personal freedoms, right? This is a personal freedoms attack. As good Americans, we love our free personal freedoms. You say, I died of my personal freedoms, and I will then choose to walk the extra mile with them. Or scripture says, hey, die to every selfish desire in your heart and how it comes against the kingdom of God and just die to self so that others can live. How well do we do this? Where he comes in and says, I want you every day to crawl up onto the altar as an act of worship. And I want you to crucify your desires and your longings and your will for the sake of God's will. Because not my will, Father, but your will be done. Jesus models says, I do have my own will. I have my own things that I desire, but I will lay them down Every day, because eternity is all that matters. Or Jesus says, hey, 
When your enemies hate you and they curse you and they talk behind your back and they're subversive and they say horrible things about you, love them and bless them. So I will tell you, if I were before the Father and he was up on stage And he said, Steve, I'm going to grade you on this in front of everybody. I want you to know wholeheartedly I would fail. This is hard. Which shows me that there is still space in me for incredible growth and maturity in how I view the world with a kingdom lens and eternal perspective. And I have to believe that some of you are in the same boat with me. How do we receive the mind of Christ? It's simple. Through your rebirth in Christ. First, Second Corinthians tells us, I think it's chapter 4, chapter 5, because we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old having passed away and the new having come. We are a new creation. We've had a rebirth, right? Another place in Corinthians says we go down into the death of Jesus, but we are raised to a new life. And then John 1, 12 and 13 says because we believed in Jesus, we are now children of God and we are born of God. That's different. We're born of God. If we're a new creation, the Holy Spirit resides in us. Then he brings all of himself with us, which means we now have the mind of Christ simply because we gave our lives to Jesus. So if you are a Christian, if you prayed a prayer, if you're now walking with Jesus as Lord of your life, well done. You've done nothing to earn it, but you have it. You have the mind of Christ. And you should go, okay, yay, Okay, I'm not doing great. This is great. I don't know what to think, right? It's this beautiful reality. We have the mind of Christ. We are a new creation. Truth number two, we must renew our mind. Listen, super familiar verse, Romans 12, too familiar to all of you. Do not conform. He's speaking to believers, those who've been Christians for a very long time, for at least probably some of them one to five to ten years, right? Do not conform to the past pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then at that moment, as you've given yourself to being transformed by the renewing of your mind, then at that point, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see this? We will unpack this more, but I want to name the heart behind this first. Just because we are Christians does not mean we are immune to the world in which we live. We can conform, revert, and re-engage an old style of living and thinking that are destructive and counter to the will of the Lord. We're in 1 Corinthians. Read through 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a whole story of them completely engaging the ways of the world, of reverting back to how they viewed things and going, listen, they go back to circumcision Who wants to do that? And they're doing it. They're going back and they're listening to other people and they're going back this whole old lifestyle. Are they still Christians? Yes. But they're being conformed, reverting and going back to a life other than the one connected to Jesus and the mind of Christ. It's powerful to be aware of this. We can conform, we can revert, and we can re-engage. Long story short, 
You can have the mind of Christ and not be using it without intentionality, intentionality, intentionality of being awake and aware of renewing your mind. The world will suffocate and drown you in the long list of words I used earlier. I read a book years ago, and, and it was kind of this whole, like, um, he's got this dream, and he's writing it. And this is kind of a very vivid picture, but it stuck with me for the, my entire life. In, the, in this dream, God rescues people and saves them. They come over here into the camp, but, but then this happened. They're suffocated. Like, the enemy begins to draw at them and pull at them, and there's all these accusations, and they actually, of their own will, walk back into the enemy camp. This is a very gross and vivid picture. I'm giving you a forewarning. He said, in that, all of a sudden, they come, and they just stand under a vulture, and the vulture grabs hold of them and will not let them go, and they put their mouth up like this, and the vulture just begins to vomit out grossness into their mouths. And they partake of it, and every time they do, it says that they go grayer and grayer and grayer till all life is pulled from them. It's a horrible picture. It's absolutely what the enemy tries to do to suffocate, destroy, and to kill us. He feeds us lies every day, and we just partake of them. The third truth, the third truth, we must be careful then what we focus on in life. Must be careful we look at what we give our intention to and our energies. In Philippians 4, at the end of the letter, Paul gives very direct, simple to understand exhortations, challenges, things he calls them to. They are actions that they need to invest into, to give themselves intentionally to, so they would help them fulfill everything that he's been teaching them in the first three chapters. These are lifestyle exhortations. They would need to help them to succeed in life. Listen to what he says in verses 8 through 9 of Philippians 4. On the screen, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, after everything I've already taught you, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about, dwell upon, and look on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And at that moment, as you do, the God of peace will be with you. Here's my point. If you want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit of peace flow in your life, then whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is whatever is admirable, whatever you see in Scripture and see in those who are in Scripture, think about those things and you put them into practice. And as you do that, it pulls you from the mouth of the vulture, puts you in the presence of God, and His peace overwhelms you. This is how it works. Everything we give our mind to engage will, listen, Listen, everything we give our mind to engage will impact us, everything. Mo talked about it for you, talked about the power of music and the words you listen to, and the things that come into your ears. It will impact you. Television, television and what you watch and how it will impact you. Media, listen, listen, I know, listen, my grandparents used to sit there 24 hours with either the news on or the weather. The weather was one thing, but they would sit there with the news. You know what news would cause in them? Fear and anxiety, because that's what news does. It tries to sell us fear so that we will grab hold of it rather than just giving us information. And they were literally 
filled and riddled with anxiety because of what they've been watching on television, right? It doesn't have to be terrible things. It doesn't have to be news and all these things. You know what I'm getting at? Social media, every conversation that you're in, your hobbies, everything that you do will impact you. Have you ever seen, listen, there are floods happening right now in America. Have you ever, like, when you think about floods, when I think about floods, like, when I think about floods, I have a mental picture of three people usually carrying a dog with a backpack or something over their head, and they are walking through water up to their waist. When someone says flood, that's the mental image that comes into mind, right? That happened to us one time. Anna, Catherine, Sarah, and I are our old forerunner. I'm not sure, Sarah, remember this, you little. And we're driving down, and listen, the huge rain came to Orlando, Florida. The storm drain was plugged, and we're, we pull onto our street, and there was water up to my wheel well. I felt cool and a forerunner, so I'm like, let's see how fast we can go through it, right? And as I'm going fast, I'm leaving awake, and I'm realizing there are waves lapping onto my neighbor's garage doors. I'm like, oh, my bad. I kind of come around the corner, right? My bad. I won't do that again. It was crazy, but here's the deal. That's the nature of what happened happens in floods. But here's the thing about it. It's super sad and overwhelming, but it's also really gross and unsanitary. How many of you heard stories about this or read about it? They talk about every single time a flood comes up, what does it do? Everything it comes into contact with just mixes in. So you've got sewage, just raw sewage in all of these floodwaters. You have toxins and pollutions and gas and all this stuff that's been drawn into the waters. And you see these people it's unsanitary, and they get out of it, and now it's affecting their skin. It's impacting their lungs, and it gets in, and they start getting sick from it. And it's literally imperceivable. Unperce- What's the word? Unper- it, uh, you can't even perceive it. It's unsanitary. It's gross. There's no way around it. Listen, the things that we surround ourselves with, the things we allow to fill our mind, impact us whether we see it or not. Those things act like pollution and toxins to our mind. Instead, we must fill our minds with life. We must have our minds renewed and focusing on whatever is pure, whatever is right. You have an intentional responsibility with this. And truth number four, you have to focus on truth. This really simple. Focus on truth. Why? It's just a fact that the only thing that dispels lies is hearing truth. Truth is the only thing that dispels lies. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy us. And the primary way he does it is through lying to us about everything in life, like we talked about, speaking half-truths. If he can get us believing lies, then we will let go of truth, and then we'll be held in bondage with our mouths open, just ready to receive utter lies of grossness. It's just a reality. Jesus said in John 8, 31, you're really my disciples. Then... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth brings freedom. Lies bring bondage. And some of us are trapped by different lies of rejection and fear, held in bondage by lies of failure, inferiority. But God's desire is to speak truth over you. He wants to change your mind. He wants to pull you from the grasp of the enemy and the lies he's been speaking and cause life to happen again. And we do that by grabbing hold of these four truths and saying, God, I have your mind. 
I have your mind, even though it's hard for me to grab hold of. God, I want to I give myself to renewing my mind. And God, I'm going to be careful with what I give myself to. And I'm going to listen and hold on to truth so that the lies are broken. Every single time I have a day where I get to the end of the day and I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, where I can't get my brain to slow down, may I have that just this week? I recognize that I picked up a burden that wasn't mine to carry. I recognize I believed a lie that I need to make things happen and control things in my own strength. And so I, in my best attempt, I sit down, say my best attempt, I put myself in the presence of God, and I'll say, I'm trying to be Lord again. And I am doing a really bad job. I believed a lie that only I can control things. Only I can make things happen. God, I am sinking. Let's merge all these biblical images. I'm sinking like Paul, you know, like, like Paul sank. You know, excuse me, like Peter sank in the water, right? God, I, I need to, you know, by faith, whatever it is. And so I'm like, God, I just look to you. You're where my help comes from. Jesus. Open my eyes to the truth that this isn't as big as I think that it is. And that to you all things are small and you're 100% capable. And that, God, you are the one who breathes life, not me. All of those fears and worries and anxieties, all those pieces are God's gift as a sign to point me that there's lies that I'm believing. I need to simply look at Jesus get help, come around someone, ask them to pray for me, ask them to pray for me, that God to break off lies of the enemy. As I said earlier, unrealized potential, I'm just about done, literally two minutes, unrealized potential in our lives, unrealized potential in my life and in your life is a sign of immaturity. It's also a sign of great opportunity for growth. That's the positive. We have the mind of Christ. It isn't something we aspire to, but something we grab hold of. It already belongs to us. Today, listen, today, ask God to awaken you. Give yourself to pursuing truth. Allow your mind and then ask God to make your mind exactly what Jesus knows it can be. Solely devoted to him, convicted by faith, living with hope, and growing in maturity every day. As the worship team comes and we get ready to respond, I just want to invite you just to be honest with the Lord about where you are in this, the things that you're processing. I, I want you to be aware of the list that I, I named earlier and the things that I called out, right? These things, because the idea for us is that so often when we are praying, sometimes, again, these things we're wrestling with, those are the very things that God can use to, as a sign to say, hey, this shows that you have place for breakthrough, for there's a place to move into the mind of Christ. There's a place to release. There's a place of renewal. And so whatever it may be that this morning as it relates to the things that you're struggling with, the fear and the rejection, the isolation and the anger, the despair that defines so many of us, the control, the busyness, whatever it is, be honest with yourself. Just take a moment now. Just close your eyes where you are. And just say, God, search me and know me. And know every anxious thought, every, every unholy way in me, God. 
every lie that I'm believing, and God exposed it this morning. And then say, God, I need your help. And respond then as the Lord leads, whether it's to come forward to the altar and just pray. If you want to get a ministry team to pray with you this morning, let's just respond to the Lord's movement. So, Father, as we come into worship, I, I do ask God just for an awakening. God, I pray for a beautiful conviction this morning of, of truth that you've given us the mind of Christ, that, Lord, you have saved us completely and fully. I pray you would show us the areas where, God, we maybe have walked ourselves back into the enemy's camp and we're believing lies. I pray, Father, where we cry out for our freedoms, we can do what we want to do. I pray that you just show us the stupidity of that, Lord. The only place of real freedom is completely surrendered to the lordship of a perfect God who can see and knows all things. It's counterintuitive to the world in which we live, but it is kingdom perspective. Reveal that you are a perfect Lord, a loving Lord. Lord, the enemy says, well, if you give everything over to Jesus, he'll make you do things you'll hate and your life will be miserable. Well, God, I pray that you would shut that voice down and say, I only have beauty for you. I only have the fruit of my spirit to be your life experience. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. He is a liar. Holy Spirit, now I am... Mm. I'm praying a prophetic prayer, an utterance, God, of a shepherd over over people and sheep, God. In Jesus' name, right now, God, I take authority. God, this the, the authority God's given me, God, the authority over every lying spirit. And I pray now in Jesus' name, you would expose it for what it is, Lord. You are the God who exposes. You are the God who convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. You are the light of the world, Father. And you're the one who shines on darkness and causes it to flee. And so, Father, would you come and do what you do this morning, which is be God and to be Lord and to be a loving, holy, righteous Father, a warrior king who said, My death and my resurrection crucified death, hell, and sickness, and then revealed my power over it. So, Lord, come and do that in the lives of your people this morning. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite our ministry teams to come forward right now. We're going to take communion this morning. This is a reminder and a celebration of the grace of God been given you in salvation. That's great. I invite you to come. Again, the altar is open. He responds to the Lord leads this morning, and I'll come close this afternoon.